Today, we will be speaking with Paul Drexler. He'll get us started with an introduction about himself, and then we'll jump to the talk about utility tokens and the SEC's view on them. Enjoy. All right, I'm Paul Drexler. I am a third-year law student at Duke University. I have decided to specialize in financial regulation, and specifically I've focused on bank regulation, securities regulation, and commodities regulation. And I've gotten really into the intersection of all of these types of regulations and blockchain technology, um, things including utility tokens, which is the subject of our conversation today, as well as stable coins um, and various other sort of like financial assets that are coming are all the rage right now and understanding kind of how our laws apply to them and how they should probably be modified to adjust to the realities of these products. To start off, what are utility tokens and what are they used for? So you can think of utility tokens as a voucher for goods and services provided by a platform. So they're a particular type of crypto asset which can be used to exchange for a good or service. So I think the typical example you can think of is Ether, which is used on the Ethereum network. Users use Ether to pay for computing power. So usually on Ethereum, you build these sort of smart contracts but you need some sort of computer to be able to execute them and you pay ether as a way to be able to execute them. So broadly a utility token is kind of just meant as like a voucher for a good or service. Can you explain the process and purpose of an initial coin offering? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, General idea is that these utility tokens are meant to be used um, on these platforms as a way to kind of transact. So, you know, the typical idea is that um, the blockchain is kind of used to uh, monitor the payment of this token. So if I were to, you know, pay you a token, you know, pay you Ether for smart computing uh, power that you are offering, um, the blockchain kind of tracks that um, token from me to you. And then a smart contract basically enforces uh, enforces you to provide the computing power to me. So that's like the typical use case. But these tokens are also potentially useful as a fundraising technique. And that's kind of where like initial coin offerings comes into place. So these platforms that are building out these sort of protocols with blockchains and uh, utility tokens, they're not really in the business of making a profit. You know, your typical kind of intermediated platform platform usually sits between two people and it extracts, you know, some sort of fee from them. You can think of something like eBay, which, you know, basically takes a fee from the uh, buyers and sellers uh, when it intermediates transactions. This is different for decentralized platforms. They don't really do so. And so it's really hard for them to kind of to issue that typical equity uh, interest that that a startup would. So when a startup wants to make money, it starts it sells some of its stock to investors in Series A and Series B rounds, and it says, "Look, um, this stock may not be worth much now, but in the future it will be valuable." But and this is kind of a you know a bit of financial lingo is that you know, the the value of stocks is generally valued as the future expected uh, cash flows of the stock, and so. That necessitates that there's some sort of profit. So these protocols, they want to build out this huge platform. You know, these, there's these development teams. They want to build out this huge decentralized protocol, but 
they don't really expect to make profits. So nobody's going to really invest in their equity. So instead, they sell these tokens. They say, look, we're building this this platform. These tokens will be usable one day. They're going to have all this great functionality. So how about you uh, pay now for a smaller price? And later on, when a lot of people want to you know, use our service, you can uh, you, you you will be able to sell this off to people at a much higher price. So that's the general like thesis of like why you would monetize uh, these utility tokens and use them to raise money. And there's kind of a couple different ways that you can do this. So from like 2016 to 2018, there were these, uh, they call them like ICOs. I use the term a little bit more expansively than like the technical lingo in my paper. So the uh, way that like these ICOs operated is that these platforms would essentially go to the public and say, hey, if you want to buy our token now, buy it. We're going to use this money to build the platform and then we're going to make a token. I'll talk about this in a second when we talk about the SEC, um, but that was basically uh, determined to be very illegal. Um, and so nowadays, the way that most ICOs are conducted is really through private placement transactions where um, the uh, decentralized the de- developers find um, investors, think of someone like an Anderson Horowitz, and they go to them and say, hey, buy our token now, you'll be able to sell it for a profit in the future. So. It used to be the ICOs looked like these kind of just like, it looked like an IPO. It looked like a company kind of selling its stock to the general public. Now it looks more like a series A or series B round where you go and find investors and you say, sophisticated investors, and you say, hey, buy this utility token in the future, it'll actually be worth more value. And in terms of securities laws, what is the SEC's current approach on ICOs? And what do you talk about in your research and what do you think is wrong with this approach? Sure. Um, so the SEC has, cert- so the Securities Act of 1933 basically says that it places a lot of restrictions on anybody's ability to be able to sell securities to the public. The thought process here is that there are, um, and this was kind of in response to a lot of um, of the the stresses and sort of the the dynamics that were taking place in the stock market during the Great Depression. Um, The thought process was that there's a lot of information asymmetries between people who are issuing securities and people who are buying them. And that that makes sense to a degree, right? Like you, um, if I'm going to sell, you know, stock about my company um, and I know that something bad is about to happen, so I'm trying to fundraise ahead of time, maybe investors should know about that. And we can, and there are certain like economic inefficiencies that take place because of information asymmetries. So the how the Securities Act deals with that is it basically says, look, we're going to impose disclosure on folks. So whenever you, you know, read about an IPO, um, you may not ever read it, but I whenever a company conducts an IPO, they have these like hundreds of pages long disclosure uh, registration statements, prospectuses and all that. And all of that is mandated by uh, the Securities Act and reviewed by the SEC. So typically when you want to go public, you have to register that offering with the SEC um, if, if you want to offer your security to the public and you have to uh, get the SEC's approval before you go forward. So that's like the typical process. Um, and the problem is, is that if you don't do this, then the SEC is going to stop you in your tracks and say, hey, look, you're conducting an unregistered offering. And this only matters if something is a security. And what the SEC did is it looked at utility tokens and it said, look, 
These look a lot like an investment contract. And an investment contract is listed in the Securities Act as an example, as one of the types of security. So that it says a security equals stock, bonds, debentures, like it says all the stuff, but it also says investment contracts. And there was this case in the, I forget if it's the 50s or 60s, but there essentially was this case um, that dealt with this, you know, this kind of citrus plantation that was uh, selling, uh, that basically had these different groves and it was selling people plots and basically saying, we'll harvest the citruses and, and, and give you the profits. And essentially what the, what the Supreme Court said in this is investment contract is like a term of art. And what it typically means is um, uh, it, it typically occurs when investors, and it gives like kind of four prongs. They basically said it happens when first investors invest money, two, in a common enterprise, three, with the expectation of profits, with the reasonable expectation of profits, and four, uh, derived from the managerial efforts of others. So it kind of looked at those four things and said, this is what a um, investment contract is. And so the SEC said, look, a lot of tokens that are being used to fundraise um, the development of platforms look a lot like this. And it makes sense, you know, investors invest money, maybe they invest crypto, but like they bought that crypto using you know, money. So you can probably see that that's like an investment of money. Two, they do it in a common enterprise because you're pooling your money with other investors so that they can, you know, developers can build that platform. Three, there's an expectation of profits because you believe that one day that token will be worth more. And you're expecting that those profits are going to be derived from the efforts of others, namely the people who are building out that platform. So the SEC took this long view and said, look, all of these ICOs that are being issued to the public, these are securities, um, plain and simple. Like they, these, these are securities. They're unregistered offerings, and they sued a bunch of of uh, developers who had sold these, to, you know, these tokens to the public. So that's like one layer of it. Now, like how these these things are being conducted is through private placement transactions, which are allowed because there are certain regulations under the Securities Act that the SEC has put forward that allows companies to sell securities without registering them as long as they limit their audience. And so the most popular one is called Regulation D. And that basically says you can sell your, your securities to sophisticated or accredited investors, and you don't have to register it. And so that's why typically you see a company when it's private, it's only selling its, you know, Series A, Series B stock to venture capital investors. And once it goes public, it can sell it to like your typical, you know, you know, it can sell it to us, for instance, like it can sell it to people who are don't meet those definitions of accredited or, or sophisticated. So um, the issue is, is that while these, you know, transactions are compliant with securities laws, basically, you find an investor, you sell your utility token to them, the investors can't resell those, that would just be getting around the securities laws. If they if they had a utility token that was unregistered, the investor can't just turn around and sell it right away. They need to wait until the um, token is no longer considered a security. And the problem is, is that the SEC has not been clear about what makes a token be, not become a security. Um, they have hinted in the past, there was like this 2018 speech um, by the director of, of enforcement, uh, Bill Hinman, who basically said that he didn't think that Ether or Bitcoin were um, securities because they were you know, sufficiently decentralized. And there's been kind of this framework put out by the SEC that basically says, if you hit all of these things, or no, it doesn't say that, it actually says, it's actually just a bunch of open-ended questions. And it says, 
if you follow through with these, maybe you'll be considered sufficiently decentralized and we won't consider your token of security anymore. But the problem is, is that there's no guarantee. No one has a guarantee as to whether or not the SEC will determine that your token is no longer a security. And because of that, that places a lot of that, that basically means that companies can't officially raise ca capital when they sell their token to investors because they can't guarantee to the investors that the SEC is one day no longer to consider their token a security. There's just no bright line clearance here. Um, there was this um, uh, uh, recent um, insider trading uh, scandal at Coinbase where essentially someone was going in and selling some of their tokens um, before they were uh, listed on Coinbase. And the SEC said that was insider trading, but they premised it on the fact that like some of the tokens that the person was transacting in were securities. But the SEC had like never said that any of these things were securities before. And like, I'm not doubting that they may or may not hit security status, but the fact that you and I can't just look at a token and know whether or not it's a security is a pretty, I, I think that that's not an optimal outcome. So kind of the goal of my paper was to call this into question and really kind of wonder what could the SEC do to provide more clarity up front so that when I, if, if someone's going out to build a platform that issues tokens, it uh, that they know what they need to do to make sure their token is no longer a security in the future. In regards to all this, why has the SEC not adjusted its disclosure requirements for utility tokens specifically? So I think... There's probably a multitude of reasons. Part of it is that, um, you know, so the, so one thing that exists is that, you know, these companies could just file a, a an IPO and basically just register their securities with the public. And if they did so, there's these things called management uh, discussion and analysis requirements where the management has to discuss like its financial prospects. And all of that is set forth by rules that the SEC has set forward. And those rules take a really long time for them to develop. So I think part of the process, so probably part of the problem is that uh, the SEC is probably not, it takes a long time to develop and implement new regulations that would adjust disclosure requirements for IPOs. Um, and since most tokens aren't being offered through IPOs, the SEC is probably unwilling to change those disclosure requirements. In terms of Regulation D, so Regulation D also imposes certain disclosure requirements and says that you have to provide certain information about um, the, you know, the financial prospects of a platform. There's probably two reasons why the SEC hasn't updated it. One is that, again, it would have to go through this process of adjusting its uh, uh, Regulation D. It would have to go through notice and comment rulemaking. That would take 18 months to two years. And I think the SEC probably thinks, first, I think that the SEC has a lot of, you know, turf wars with, uh, or like a lot of issues with uh, crypto issuers in general. So maybe they don't want to, you know, hand them a bone by uh, making it easier for them to issue tokens. Um, and then I think on a second level, maybe the SEC believes that its current disclosure requirements are good. You know, maybe they think that when you're buying a token initially, you actually should be concerned about the financial prospects of the underlying platform. You should consider whether or not the development team, you know, has the res the financial resources necessary to fulfill their um, what what they're going forward with. But you know, and this is elucidated a little bit in my paper and a lot more in some of Carol Goforth's uh, papers. She's someone who's a professor at Arkansas who focuses on the subject. Um, is that while 
the financial you know prospects of the development team matter a bit to people purchasing these tokens what matters a lot more is the underlying computer software what matters is do you you know what is what are you building out in the first place what's the end case here and especially you know what is the uh you know what are you are you exposed to certain hacks you know there, there's all of these things that really matter to folks and so i think there's a lot of reasons why the SEC hasn't adjusted its disclosure requirements i mean i think some stuff that's recently been occurring in the news demonstrates that the sec really is not trying to give a lot to the crypto industry i think there's a lot of tension between the two but i think there's also maybe you know, somewhat valid concerns, somewhat invalid concerns of the SEC that um, we should be focusing on the financial prospects of these development teams and less so on the technology underlying them. What do you think the future developments will be? And what is it in your work that you propose the SEC should do moving forward? Oof. So I don't know what the future holds for all of this. There, there, There's been a bit of a bipartisan consensus on the Hill. And I would say bit because I think there's been multiple bills and I don't know how much success they have going forward of kind of shifting the regulatory oversight of uh, utility tokens and crypto assets writ large to the Commodities Futures and Trading Commission. So the CFTC basically saying that these things are commodities, but all of the bills that have been put forward leave a lot of deference to the SEC to determine that these assets still are securities. So, you know, I think that's all the current regulatory proposals that exist out here. I don't know that they actually address the underlying issues here, um, which what I, what I mean by that is, is that one, I think that the current, like, I, I, I think that most crypto assets probably do meet the definition of investment contracts under uh, Howey. I, there has been some academic discourse recently, and really this has been by practitioners, so folks who like represent a lot of different crypto companies. There's been some discussion by them that maybe the tokens themselves are not securities, that like the initial transaction is a security because they say like the initial s- sale of these tokens is a security, but not like the tokens themselves. And they basically kind of rely on some different, you know, uh, they basically they kind of look at the jurisprudence of investment contracts to kind of back this up, and so their argument would be there doesn't have to be any changes because once there's a functional use case for these tokens, it, they evade the you know SEC's purview. I have a hard time with that argument. Um, there's uh, I, I think that that is almost looking too much at trying to analogize past investment contract jurisprudence with like current ones. So. You know, that's I think it's a discussion for another day. But that's like one path is you could just say these things aren't securities. The issue there is that there's really no regulatory oversight then. And I think there probably is some role to play to have disclosure requirements. Because as my paper points out, like you could theoretically have a platform where like all of the voting, you know, all of the platform updates are done via votes that are held on the blockchain via governance tokens. But not a lot of platforms do that. Most platforms actually have some sort of like soft governance where there's not like a leader, but there is like a group that is supporting that token. Um, this happens a lot with like Ethereum, uh, or that's the Ethereum network, um, is that like Vitalik Buterin is like seen as someone who's like a very, um, you know, high up person within, has a lot of influence in this world. And there's like the Ethereum Foundation, 
which really pushes a lot of the changes that occurred to the Ethereum network. And maybe there's a need to impose continuing disclosure requirements on them. So that's like, you know, one line of argumentation is that these things aren't securities. And I think any legislation that says these aren't securities needs to tangle with sort of the, you know, the influence that some of these groups have over tokens. There's kind of this second vein of argument that says, well, maybe these things are securities, maybe they aren't. And this is something kind of pushed by uh, Commissioner Hester Pierce, who's a Republican appointed commissioner on the SEC. Um, her, Her kind of view is, but we should give these, you know, give these platforms time to develop. So basically she says, let them issue their tokens to the public for three years. And after three years, if they show that they're decentralized, then they're not, then they don't have to do anything else. But if they are central, there still is like an identified body behind them, then they are, then basically we, we make them retroactively register all the tokens they uh, issued. Um, I've taken issue with that approach a little bit because I think that it exposes, it, it still exposes people at the big, you know, you could go out after the fact, you could say, oh, well, this token was a security, but that's, you know, kind of ex post. That's like looking after the fact and trying to adjust the situation where ex ante, what you really want to do is make sure that investors aren't sinking their money in the first place into an investment that they don't have full awareness of and don't have full disclosure. If there is some sort of informational uh, asymmetry, then you probably want to make sure that the investors have the adequate information to assess their investment. So my proposal in this paper is a, I would say a fairly limited proposal, but one that kind of gives sort of my perspective on the issue, which is that first, I think that under the current jurisprudence, these things do fit the definition of investment contracts. And because of that, I think that the only way for them to escape that sort of security status is for these tokens to become fully decentralized. And what I basically say is, as long as the SEC is maintaining authority over this space, which I'm not advocating that they continue to, I'm just saying that like, as long as the SEC continues to have authority over this space, then there needs to be some sort of, what I think the SEC needs to do is at least put forward a presumption that if you have certain on-chain governance provisions, so these are things that say that like, everybody has to vote their tokens towards different, you know, updates or modifications before um, any of them are implemented, then the SEC should say this, if you hit these, like, I think it's like 11 features, then your platform is considered decentralized, your tokens no longer security. That's sort of like the clarity that I think everybody wants. And I think that would be a common sense thing, because I think it allows for token, you know, platforms to tell investors, hey, if we do this, you'll be able to resell your securities. So that kind of allows them to more efficiently raise capital. And I think it also lets the SEC have some say over sort of the the the, the influence that certain individuals have over these platforms by requiring that all this you know discussion takes place on chain. So that's like my general proposal. I think like the takeaway I have from this is that a lot of tokens still operate through sort of like soft off-chain governance. And because they do, I wonder if going forward, there has to be a lot different. I I think there needs to be probably a regulatory overhaul to address that. That's kind of like the topic for my next paper is thinking about how we can address the current jurisprudence and the current current proposals being offered um, on the Hill and think about how they would interact with tokens that are being, um, you know, supported by certain groups uh, through off-chain governance.